Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Everyone, welcome to our pre-match press conference to preview our game against Bournemouth, and we'll start off with Sammy at Sky. Uh, hi, Sean. Um, hi. Before I ask you anything about everything we just had, Gareth Southgate doing his um, press conference ahead of um, England playing Australia, did he not ban VAR? Um, what are your feelings about VAR? Um, I'm a fan of it in the decision-making side of things um, because I think it's important that where the game is at now um, as a spectacle the business side of the spectacle, sorry, I should say, I think, you know, uh, it would be unfair for some decisions to go against teams if it cost them the ultimate price of possibly getting relegated or whatever that may be. On the other side of me, as a fan, just a football fan, obviously I'm aware it slows the game down, it makes it feel different. Um, and I think it's a fine line to get to get it right at the minute. I know there's a lot of noise about, you know, the obvious um, decision going wrong. Um how they can streamline it, how they can, um, you know, hopefully improve the senses of sitting in a room. It's different, you know. Referees trying to ref naturally, um, making a decision. I can only imagine, having not done it, but would be sitting there in front of a screen, gives you that different view, and maybe they almost get too analytical about it rather than going somewhat with an instinct about what they would normally uh, on the grass without VR, as the case. Um, you know, we've seen that with ourselves. Uh, a kind of nothing incident on a keeper led to a goal of ours being disallowed and yet I was down at Forest watching them play Brentford and the keeper um, follows through on Visser, I think it is, he stays on his feet, tries to score a goal and gets nothing and it's clearly a penalty and possibly a sending off in that moment. So, you know, they're, they're the things where I think we're all a bit lost in it. Um, but overall, I still think I'm a, a fan of it. Um, like I say, from the business point of view, though, I must make that clear, I understand from a fan point of view it, just loses that fluidity of the fan feel of what it is. Uh, well, getting back to, to Everton, obviously disappointment against Luton. How have the players been this week in, in training? Lots of positives. Yeah, good. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's a very frustrating one. Um, I said afterwards, you know, pulling your out, look what little I've got. Um, you know, because we played well, um, frustrating on set pieces, but a very good performance, a strong performance, and dominant in so many. Um, metrics after the game that is on analysis also on your eyes and the feel but you don't get a win and I'm, I'm well aware it's the business is about winning games you know and that's something I've always been actually acu acu acutely aware of even you know with people have you know sometimes asked why you play this way why you play that way ultimately you've got to win football matches and that's what we're looking to do you know we, we've we've delivered the performances but we've not won enough games and that's got to change quite obviously. Um, there was a, a video on, on social media of, of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and James Tarkovsky doing um, dancing with some older older people for part of the Everton community. Um, they clearly get what it is to be an Everton player. Do, do you feel all the players kind of buy into the club at the moment? Yeah, I think um, I went down to the People's Place last year and you know try and uh, add in my little bit when I can. The players likewise, and I, I think you know I'm learning all the time about the, the depth of the club, not just the the gloss and glamour of the Premier League and the size of the club and the history, but also the depth of it now now it goes into the community and all the good work done. Um, and I think the varying groups who came up, one of them from the People's Place actually, and 
school groups who came up the other day to see the players. I think it was a, it was a good experience for the players and for them, hopefully, as well, and, and just re- reaffirming, really, to the players the amount of good they can do and when they are active in the community. Um, and on the pitch, you know, Goodison Park, the, the home record hasn't been good. I think it, since your time... It's a weird link to our questions today. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're going Jumping around a little um, bit. But, yeah, I mean, since you came in, the, the home record has, hasn't been great. I think it's 30% win ratio, which is half what you were at Burnley. Why is that, and, and what can you do to help the fans kind of help get that atmosphere that yeah, we're trying to change a, a two-year-old story, you know, and, and uh, I think uh, the performances have, the, the, the outcomes haven't, you know, and, and uh, like I said, I've never shy away from outcomes. That's my, my big thing about whether it's on or off the pitch, you know, and I think the uh, the, the, the last uh, thing we've got to change, um, I mean, there's other things, but the last big thing is is taking opportunities and, and, and taking, um, taking control of the games that we're dominating um, and the control, the best way to control it is scoring goals, of course, and keeping clean sheets um, and winning games. And I think it's one of them frustrating ones, as I said, we're so close, but so far away, you know, to changing the, the story, changing the, the rhetoric and the, the noise, as I call it, you know, because the performance is there, but we've got to we've got to turn them performances into wins. And I think it's a change of the kind of two-year-old story, but it's certainly not to do with the fans. I mean, I can't think of anything better currently than the scoring at home because of the sheer fact that the fans go mad, you know, when you score. Um, there was one the other week, early season, I think, Duke scored against Wolves and the roof comes off, you know, and I'm like, if there's ever a freedom to, to go and score any player, by the way, on the team, um, you know, then that, that's got to be a benefit, you know, when your fans give that kind of reaction, scoring goals. Um, so I, I don't think it's anything to do with the fans. I think it's us just taking chances, keep creating. We've got to keep doing it. We've got to keep creating and taking chances. But it's a team thing. It's not... It's not just one individual, it's a, it's a whole team, you know, that whole team element to go and take on games in order to win, working in both boxes, not just scoring either, defending well. The stats suggest we're creating a lot, the stats suggest we're low on XGs against. Um, like I said, there are only stats, there are only a guideline measure, I must make that clear, they don't define it. But when you get them stats right historically over a longer period, then they pay you back. But the point is, you've got to make it, you know, make it happen. I was talking to the players just today about that, you know, stats and facts and all the rest of it. We've got to make it happen, and I think that's a big thing for me. Um, on, on making it happen, does Bournemouth become a must-win for you? Oh, I've heard that so many times as I've been at this club, to be honest. Every game's a must-win, in my view. That's the way I like to think about football. But virtually ever since I've been here, it's been talked about every game's a must-win. Um, and finally from me, you know, there's, there's, there's pressure on you, there's pressure on the players, you know. Uh, are, you, are you feeling that at all? Uh, no, it's the reality of my job as a manager. I've been in it long enough now. I was a player all my life. I've been in football all my life. And a manager of 10, pushing 11 years, you know, going over 500 games the other week. So it's uh, you want the pressure to be a different one. You want it at the top. You want it when you're winning. You want the, 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 the pressure of constantly performing and winning games. Sometimes it's the reverse pressure when, when it's hard yards, you know. And these are hard yards when you're looking for them results. You're looking to define the thing that is the last thing to click to make it work when you do win games. But that's part and parcel of it. I think without that, you w- you'd be in the wrong industry if you're a football manager because that is it's a constant pressure in football manager and for players, but slightly differently. It's a constant. So you have to get used to managing it in yourself, not just with the team and the group around you and the fans, you know, in your own way of working. And I just try and find a calmness to make sure I stay focused on the job in hand. Thanks, Sonny. We'll go to Harriet on the right foot. Hi, Sean. Yeah, you mentioned there that 23 chances against Luton and the attempts on goal. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a player that is taking his chances, scored three in the last three games. Just how impressed have you been with him and how he's returned back to fitness and, and been able to make an instant impact? Yeah, he's getting there um, to true uh, 
total fitness, if you like. The close I'd seen him, or probably arguably the best I'd seen, was down at Brighton last year when I thought his all-round game was excellent. Um, he's shown signs of that recently. Um, scoring goals is obviously a good habit. Um, and I think he's getting to the very, really end point of being you know, totally fit, clear of mind, clear of body, um, and doing what he does best, which is creating and scoring goals. And I think he's shown really strong signs of that. Yeah, another player who's shown strong signs at the start of the season is Branthwaite. Are you surprised that there's external kind of noise and praise from him, or is it something you expected because he's had a particularly good start to the season, taking the chances that yeah, he's got? Yeah, someone we were monitoring last year. We, we were hearing good things about him. I spoke to him a couple of times briefly. Um, not too much depth, just a chat really to catch up. Made it clear that we wanted to come back in in pre-season and, and do what he does in front of us. Because um, you can only tell so much through a screen. Uh, but the, as I said, the, the stories back were very positive. Um, he missed a bit of pre-season, which is unfortunate um, to get him to, to real fitness. Um, he's come in the side and he's done well. I mean, he's still got a lot to learn. And, and I've mentioned re recently, sorry, you know, not over-coaching. But there's some pointers that I've given him and some reminders of as he matures as a centre-half. Um, and I think he's a very good player. And, and I think he will continue to mature as long as he keeps working hard. Yeah, finally, you've touched previously on the relentless attitude of your players. Is, is it difficult to find that togetherness and that mentality in the aftermath of a result that hasn't gone your way, like at the weekend? Well, the challenge you had, you know, we just won two previously and the noise is changing, you know, and the field changes very quickly. And then it's a big step forward and a big step back and we've got to change that. You know, we had a, a very good opportunity and that's no disrespect to it. And every game in the Premier League is a tough game. Uh, the performance is there, the outcome's not. You know, so the story could have changed very quickly. It can again. Your next one, we, we, we've got we've got to keep taking steps forward, and we just seem to get that thing forward, back, forward, back, forward, back. Slow increments, obviously, last season, but we got there in the end to get a, the first big job done, which stay in the Premier League. And then this season, you know, definitely a more consistent level of performance, but not the consistent level of outcomes that we want. Um, so reaffirming to them the goods, reminding them of the things we've got to do better, um, and really the the details amongst games that are so important. But I think there's a good mindset towards it. It's just frustrating that every time we get it going and we're just on the cusp of changing all the noise and all the things you ask, and then we just step back again and we've got to change that. Thank Thanks, Harriet. We'll go to Julia at Radio Merseyside. Thanks, Phil. Hi. Um, just on Jared Branthwaite there, first of all, he seems to be enjoying his football despite the pressure. There was a tackle I think he put in against Luton and he celebrated it, which I think a lot of the fans like to see. But also there's a lot of talk today about him extending his contract can you give us anything further on that? Well, first of all, it's a strange thing about football, celebrating a tackle. That's actually a job. I always find that one a bit odd. Uh, we've got a couple of players who do that. Um, I do remind them that's our actual job. Um, but, no, I, I get your point. He's, uh, he's going along nicely, enjoying it. I do want players to enjoy it, mind you. Um, I don't mind a human reaction, as long as it's the right one. But, yeah, I mean, if he's going about his business in the right way at the moment, learning all the time. He's, he's playing with some good players around him. Good challenge in training by the centre forwards, particularly with Dom coming back fit and Beto, different kind of players. So that's reaffirming the work you have to do as well in training, which is always important, not just in the games. The contract then? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think things are probably close now. We've been speaking to him for a while, like we do with all players, keep open lines of communication. Um, Bournemouth have conceded 15 goals in the Premier League so far. I know we've spoken before about if Beto and Dominic will will start together. Given that stat, are you looking at a more attacking lineup? The attacking side of things is pretty positive when you whoever you play, when you're in the sense of if Dom's just got three and three, Duke got however many got from Christmas onwards for us last in five maybe, um, a couple this season. I mean, you know, he's that's a pretty attacking lineup. We've got Dwight McNeil, we've got 
Jack Harrison, who, you know, Dwight started up very strong last season. Jack did as well, and he's just coming back to true fitness. And then four alone are a pretty attacking lineup, um, supporting that through the midfield, kind of, you know, not as freely in the sense of goals, but certainly very good players. Um, so no, I think I think the attacking lineup idea. You know, if you if you're implying, which I'm not saying you are, two up front, then that's got to work. You know, you've got two centre forwards who are predominantly played as a one centre forward team. You know, Dom and Beto more or less played on their own up there, with a supporting kind of attacking midfield player. Whether you guys it as a number ten or um, sort of two eights supporting that role. So it is slightly different. You know, getting two uh, centre forwards to combine. So that does take a bit of time. But no, I think I think the teams we put out are well. Like I say, it's a, I, don't, I don't like trusting in stats, but even I have to at some point. The XG is very, very high. It's the highest it's been here for eight seasons. So we've got to bear that in mind. We are, we are creating, we are creating things. So, you know, it's a pretty attacking format that we try and use. In pre-season, you had a really small squad just because of the number of injuries. And it, it now feels like you're getting almost everybody back. Is this now a case of what you would have loved to have happened in the summer and worked out sort of the best starting eleven for you and your style and what you want to do? But you're having to do it with the games coming yeah I mean that's the uh, that's the truth of the story you know we, we couldn't get deals done in the summer um, quickly you know I've gone through that enough times so getting the team together late and then getting people fit late is not ideal of course winning games in the process of them getting truly fit is makes it more challenging um, despite all the stats and facts and you know that that, that kind of parked you want a full fit, um, fully fit squad and you want it as early as you can in pre-season so they can mould and learn about each other very quickly. Some of the players are literally coming down, uh, coming back to fitness and just having to get out there and hit the ground running. Um, we've got to make that happen quickly and gel quickly, of course. Um, it is more challenging than if you get them players in early in pre-season and they get whatever it could be, two, three, four weeks together um, to learn about each other. Conceded four goals from set pieces. So what's going on? here at the moment in training to try and stop that stat rising? Yeah, well, two in the game were it's very unusual by my standards and our standards here, um, you know, during my sort of time as a manager. Um, that's one thing. It's not uh, impossible, but it hasn't happened very many times. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really overthink that because I think generally the teams that I've worked with have been strong on set pieces, both for and against. But it's a reminder to the players that if you, if you don't do the details, which we didn't do on both set pieces, then you don't keep clean sheets. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. We'll go to Bill from the Press Association. Cheers. Hi, Sean. Hi. Uh, just want to do a quick teamies check. Is it the same squad as before, just the, the three that have been out um, still out? Yeah. Uh, Shames is still making progress, but a bit away yet. Um, Andre's been in and out with niggly calf injuries, so he's touch and go whether he makes the squad. Uh, they're the main two. Um, so yeah, hopefully they'll, they will be back, but not at the moment. Um, and I guess I just wanted to ask about the, the final. Oh, Delhi, sorry, Delhi. Yeah. But he's a bit longer term. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Delhi as well. Um, the final game of last season. Um, what are your sort of memories of that that occasion? And I guess um, where do you think the team has progressed? To what extent do you think the team has progressed since then? My instant memory is pleasure and pain. Pleasure to get what was a very tough task, probably the arguably my hardest task in management from when I got into getting that to happen. Um, so the pleasure of that, the pain of being there in the first place, because I thought we had a squad who were achieving things better than what it than what it what the outcome was, if you like, going into the last game of the, story, uh, of the season. So and I feel like that now. You know, pleasure of working with a group that I think is a bit more balanced and performing to a certain level, which I know can win games, and then not winning. 
so it's it's a similar but different scenario. Obviously, a different end of the season. It was obviously far more important in the sense it was the last game that it went down to at this stage anyway. Um, but yeah, it's that hasn't changed, and I, I want to change it to more pleasure than pain. That's for sure. That's the job. That's what I'm trying to do for all all concerned at Everton Football Club. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Any further questions in the open section before we move on? Hi, Sean. Yeah, just a few people are asking about um, James Garner playing out wide when he played so well. Which people? Which which few? Which fans, few people? Oh, OK, that's fine. Fan we'll um, a lot of people were very impressed with him against uh, Villa and wanted to see more in the central areas. Um, with Jack Harrison back, is that more likely to happen now? I think it gives us more options for Jimmy. I think he's applied himself to anything we've asked of him, which is terrific for him as a, a still a, a young player in the centre of the Premier League. Um, playing wide, playing wing back, at, uh, and certainly in one of our main hours of need at the end of the last season, doing a, a very good job. I thought he played very well down at Brentford in a wider position. I think he can perform from there because of his delivery and the, the power he's got um, and the workload he does. And I thought Villery was very good as well. So I like the fact he's adaptable. Um, I do see him longer term as being a central midfield player, and I think he sees himself as being that. But I think his, his flexibility and adaptability is a very good thing and a very good open-minded thing to have as a young player. Thanks. Thank you. We'll now move on to the embargoed section of the papers.